Welcome back to the Code and Code podcast. Tonight's episode is Facing Microaggression. On this episode of the Cogent Code podcast, we're delving into the world of microaggression. In a climate where there is a palatable, palatable hypersensitivity to anything and everything related to race, microaggression behavior, microaggressive behavior, and attitudes seem to be more prevalent than ever. It often shows itself in your neighborhood grocery store or in the elevator of your apartment complex. It comes out at work, at restaurants, and generally any place that the public, and particularly places where multiple ethnicities meet and interact. Although we feel it most prevalently in the context of race, microaggression can be about anything, being a woman, your sexual preference or identity, financial status, and on and on. I'm looking forward to discussing this topic with my partner, Sia, and exploring how microaggression lives in our personal and work lives. Let's get into it. So, you know, it's interesting before I read our Urban Dictionary uh, definition, I've been asked what a microaggression is, right? People, I don't think, really understand the definition or the concept. So uh, according to the Urban Dictionary, a microaggression is the teeniest of possible insults, not insulting enough to qualify as a regular aggression, generally unintentional, unnoticed, or unimportant. These microaggressions are intended to draw the attention of everyone in the vicinity and and particularly at university should be avoided at all cost. So, and then there was another definition from Webster's. I think you weren't feeling just the urban dictionary was sufficing, yeah. right? In the, yeah. yeah. So let, let's talk about what the uh, Webster's dictionary defines as a microaggression. So breaking with tradition, because this, is an education, diversity, and inclusion platform. We wanted to make sure you re- we read the Webster's Dictionary. So it's a subtle but offensive comment or action directed at a member of a mar- marginalized group, especially a racial minority, that is often unintentionally offensive or unconsciously reinforces a stereotype. Microaggressions such as, I don't see you as black, Mm. Uh, the, the act of discriminating against a marginalized group by means of such comments or actions. The diversity committee discussed the issue of microaggression towards women on campus. So, you know, this is, is, is interesting because I was sharing with you, Akil, before we chose this topic that um, I'm responsible for content for women in technology at the company I work at. And I had done a similar type of deck uh, about microaggressions, but it all surrounded around gender and how it shows up at work, right, for for women in particular. And then there was some part of the content that talked about uh, intersectionality, which was kind of like where race, gender, and maybe um, uh, sexual orientation could all intersect. And so you're getting like a triple dose of microaggression from people and their behaviors because all of those stereotypes or assumptions they're they're making about who you are, they're sliding you just so, you know, just a little right. tiny like dig, right? right? So the gender one is, is, is interesting and I hope we get into that at some point t- tonight, but um, let's talk about microaggressions and kind of how, you know, have you ever experienced uh, microaggressions yourself? So... 
let's uh, before we jump into it, I just I want to give our um, our audience a little bit of reason why we use both um, dictionary and the urban dictionary this time. Oh, yeah. Tell uh, us if you listen to. So so Sia just, you know, gave us the, you know, I felt like the urban dictionary was a little snarky about this and a little bit insensitive and a little bit of like uh, um, facetious about how they defined it. They defined it as, you know, this splinter is microaggression in my finger, or they talked about, you know, somebody dealing with microaggression. Oh my gosh, are you, uh, you know, are you going to be okay? Should I call 911? Like, you know, really minimizing kind of the, the, the actual kind of feelings or, or, um, you know, reality of microaggressions that, that I know that we feel, uh, or that I know that I've experienced, um, in the past. And so, you know, I think that when we talk about it, when the urban dictionary talks about it in the tiny of possible ins- insults, not insulting enough to qualify as regular aggression, I think it's a little bit shady well, of them to, uh, to mean- do it that way. I disagree a little bit because I think a microaggression is meant to be a subtle dig. So I do think it's not as aggressive as somebody saying like, for instance, one of the ones I experienced throughout my life is you're so articulate uh-huh. or you speak so well, right? As so, though- so microaggression is not, not the, uh, so it's not, it's not enough of an aggression or not overt enough to get smacked in the, in the mouth for it. Well, it's more I, I, just I think, like a, well, no, it depends. Well, first of all, that's a good, that's an excellent point you're making there, sir. The first of all, obviously, you know, uh, people of color, uh, I would say, and, and maybe even, you know, people of these, uh, disenfranchised type of, uh, mm-hmm. groups that we've talked about, you know, we'll get these right from time to time. But here's the thing, like, you don't know who you're, you're approaching, right? And a lot of us, right. we've talked about this in other podcasts, have duality or mm. we, so, so for us, we're, we're one way at work. Right. And then you have a home life and a friend life and all of that other kind of parts of your life, which mm. you are, you could be completely different. So I might not smack right. your ass when I'm at work. Right. <laughs> But right. if you were to say something like that to me, maybe outside of At work, the grocery it might, store. right, it might have, right. it might invoke a whole different emotion because you ain't going to mess with my money. Right. I'm going to find a different right. way to try to get around that situation. Right. And maybe, mm-hmm. you know, uh, deal with you in a different way. Right. But right. Uh, I think in, in real life and especially right now, people are really emboldened to just come out the pocket with the, whatever they want to say. And, and, and I, you know, we talked, we talked about what that one was it with the Karen one where people yes. were like getting slapped up. Right. Ken and Karen's yeah. mm-hmm. it's like, you don't know who you're approaching. You know what I'm saying? With these little snide comments, you've got to watch out because people are really charged with a lot of feelings right now in COVID right? right still. And you might get wop pop. You know what I'm saying? You might, you might. Um, so yeah, so growing up, I think I, I didn't know, you know, obviously the terminology and I shouldn't say obviously, but I, I, I wasn't aware as much of the terminology microaggression, but as I, you know, looked into what it is, um, we, I definitely, 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 
uh, experienced it on on probably countless occasions, you know, from the um, like like you uh, like you mentioned in the example in the Webster Dictionary, um, you know, the I don't see color. Well, that's not what we want. Right. To me, that's more of an insult than you being just overtly to me, sometimes overtly racist, because I feel like, you know, we want you to see their cult, our color and our culture and our, you know, and, and who we are. But and, they think and that's a compliment. Uniqueness. But they, they think, think that's a compliment. compliment. Yeah. Like, you know, we're cool like that. I don't even see color, dude. I don't even yeah, see color. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're cool like yeah. that. So that's one of the things I think people in these days are being checked and 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 uh, are getting a different understanding on. But. You know, some of the things that I really do remember are, you know, some of the like, you know, people crossing the street when like me and my friends are walking down the street or, um, you know, I've been in the elevator and seen someone literally like take their purse and put it on the other side of their body or zip it up or clutch it tighter, you know, and that kind of stuff like I don't want your, you know, <laughs> I don't want your purse, you know, but, but those are the, those are the examples. Your purse. Of, exactly. But those are the examples of, you know, microaggression where, you know, that the, you know, the assumption or the stereotype that's being portrayed is that, you know, I'm going to snatch your purse because I'm a young black male. Right. So, you know, there have been those, those things or in class, you know, at school, you know, if you're not being, um, you know, being surprised when you're when I raise my hand in class and answer the question right. Well, here's you one. Know, oh, for wow. Me. You... Yeah. <laughs> one for me is that, you know, obviously I'm biracial. Right. And part mm-hmm. of my race is Asian. Right. So I, you know, I was in AP courses. I was considered pretty, you know, intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, but people would always say, oh, that's because your mom's Asian. That's your Asian. Um, side, right. Whoa, like that doesn't mean anything yeah. about, you know, yeah. that, you know, c- could I just be on my own intelligent, right? And and yeah. yes, my mom is intelligent, but I, I don't know that that's the reason why you can attribute, you know, the way that I did answer something in class to the fact, you know, the fact that I'm Asian. And then the other one that I just could not stand is I obviously have c- curly hair that's mm-hmm. not coiled tight, right? It's, it's kind of loose. And so a lot of people would always say, well, what are you? Right. And I would be like, well, I'm black. And what else? Black. And what else? Black. Right. right? And I mean, I know I'm biracial. I know that obviously I'm not just black, but the Mm -hmm. fact that it was always kind of like, I felt like people would approach me with little microaggression type of you know, comments towards me to try to figure out because they couldn't put me in whatever box they wanted to put me yeah. in, yeah. right? As far as whatever race that I would be like, black, 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 just so that they would- so Like you had to overly, yeah. Because it's none of your business, number one. And what are you really trying to figure out about me anyway? You know what I mean? Like, is it going to make any difference if I'm black and something else? Or is it just that you have to figure out why my hair is silky? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, come on. Yeah. So I know you experienced some of those things. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting that you bring that up because I think microaggression, um, the the experience of microaggression is different for uh, us who are, you know, multiracial because I'm I'm also mixed. So, you know, um, you know, I remember 
being very confused as a young young boy, uh, probably say maybe sixth or seventh grade, um, before I kind of just owned who I was and became who you know you know. But um, but at those earlier ages, I just remember being you know I lived in a community that was you know mostly white, and we, I had always had you know a group of black friends and a group of white friends and. The microaggressions that, you know, that I, looking back, had experienced from both groups about the other group, you know, yeah. was just, you know, was incredibly, um, I think, confusing at that time. And I, and I you know, I, I think if it's, you know, if I'm self-diagnosed, I probably went through an identity, a really heavy kind of identity crisis during that time because of that. Um, but I, you know, I went through it and, and really found where my kind of my home was and where I, how, how I identified. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that, um, how I saw myself, but also how society, I know society saw me and it became comfortable. And so I moved, you know, I moved forward in that with that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's, you know, I think that, it being, you know, towards the definition, it being unconscious. Do you think it's really unconscious or do you think that it's more of a, um, you know, more conscious, more kind of purposeful, uh, well, you know, way to, to, to slight people without, you know, maybe it's maybe it's racism for cowards. Well, I, <laughs> I know, think it's where, twofold. Where you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're not like, you know, I'm not I don't have enough big enough nuts to just be all the way aggressive with it. I don't slapped down but I, I just want to exactly I just want to say I, this I, yeah but I you know but I'm gonna do little little things that you know will be on the edge to you know protect me from like you said being uh knocked out well I'm gonna say this I do think it's twofold I mean um one of the things that I brought up in that training that I had is that there was a Harvard study that was done mm. and it basically um showed you images and uh gave, um, you know, different uh, ideas or stereotypes about certain races. Right. And Mm -hmm. originally the test that you were taking, you would select the things slowly, right? So black people, you know, like say, if they said black people eat chicken, that's, we're just going to do a real stupid one. Right. And you may slowly be like, well, some do and some don't. So you'd be like, no, I don't agree with that. Right. Right. And then what they would do is speed the test up over and over again fast so that your brain didn't have the second to really think through what you were seeing or, do, you know, reading. And so then you would just press on instinct. Mm. And what was found in that study is that um, black people preferred white people mm. and more positive things about white people. Uh, as you could imagine, white people obviously had negative stereotypes about black people, but also amongst gender, what was interesting is that women in some cases preferred more masculine things or like characteristics of applicants that had more masculine attributes mm-hmm. when it got faster and they didn't have the time to really think, which tells you that that unconscious bias, the space that your brain isn't making to step back and really decide whether or not they're processing the information with, with, with the space to put other factual 
um, points in and into consideration when you're making a decision is removed right. when there's an unconscious bias that you have. So why I say it's twofold is I think that, um, I think that there are some people to your, to your point that are a little bit, maybe a slightly racist that have like, like they want to say these things or that I think they're even not even with no malintent. I think sometimes mm-hmm. they're curious. And so they say stupid stuff like, why is your hair curly like that? Mm-hmm. Or, um, have you ever played sports? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I think right, the movie right. get out, you know, oh, have yeah. you seen get out? Absolutely. So in that, 10 times. Yeah. So in that movie, when he's at the party initially, mm-hmm. right. And there's all those people at the party and they keep approaching him and saying the stupidest things. Right. Yes. Yes. Like I, I voted for president Obama. I like black people, yeah. you know, like, do yeah. you play sports? Are you an athlete? Like all the exactly. things that he says. Exactly. I your your bone people, structure and your, you know, yes. your, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So I think that those things, I think, actually are representations of curiosity and no malintent, but it comes from a place that's very, uh, it, it's already there. It's under, an underlying layer well, of what you, you kind of described yeah. as society's uh, impression of people and races and things like that, that they're just repeating or trying to make you feel more comfortable because they feel uncomfortable about you being there. And then I think that there is the group of people who, like we said earlier, that are being a little bit of jerk and using it to kind of just poke at people and dig at people. So I think it's both. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, there's, you know, um, it's based in fear. I think it's based in stereotype. It's based in propaganda or things that, you know, um, they've learned movies they've watched. Um, like you said, you know, if you're, if you're black and over six feet tall, you gotta have, you, you have to be an athlete. You have to be, you know, and if you're over, you know, six something, you have to have played basketball. So it's not even just an athlete, but you have to play basketball. And I, you know, I have friends who, you know, who are tall that, that, you know, that's their biggest thing. Like everybody keeps asking me if I play basketball all the time. They don't, then they don't, you know, the or, scientists or, if you're or they're doctors or they're or, yeah. Or Latin. Yeah. Like a, a lot of there my friends go. will be like, they'll be like, do you speak Spanish? Some of them yeah. don't even speak Spanish. You know what I mean? And they're like, right. no, you know, right, but you right, assume right. they speak Spanish because you know that they're Latin of some sort. Right. right. Or for Asian people, which I'll take it there because we we tend to talk about yeah. for Asian people, a lot of times I'll have people say, well, I can't tell Asian people apart. I can't tell Japanese people from Chinese people and Korean people and Vietnamese people. And some of it is really insulting because they mm-hmm. make an assumption that everybody's Japanese or Chinese or whatever race they, they associate you with. And I think that that's super microaggression offensive because to me the space that you create to actually take in the facts could have just been a question it could have been it could have been and and, you know but i think the thing is is that obviously the easy thing for us to talk about in this context and where we see it the most or i've seen it uh, a lot has obviously been in the in the race on the race side but you know, you mentioned earlier how it impacts, you know, uh, marginalized or underrepresented people 
across the board. And, you know, if, if we're talking about kind of the rating, you know, race might be number one. Gender definitely would be number two, you know, maybe even fighting for the number one spot. Um, but then there's, you know, and then there's the, um, you know, sexual orientation and, uh, and, you know, and that's, um, you know, I read something the other day and they were saying that, you know, although microaggressions um, have been displayed, you know, heavily throughout the years uh, around race and gender, um, most recently it's most heavily around uh, sexual orientation and transgender um, communities and that kind of thing. What do you think about what do you think? Yeah, about I mean, I have a friend who doesn't identify it as any specific, like she doesn't gender say fluid. whether or not. She, yes, she's just she she loves who she loves. Right. She likes who she mm-hmm. likes. But I, I have talked to her and she's experienced um, situations where if people have identified her with, uh, for instance, other women, then they mm-hmm. invite her to all the lesbian events that it are available, uh, assuming mm-hmm. that she must be a lesbian, right? Right. Um, same way I think they do, like in in that training that I gave at work, I used some examples, like there was an example where a new employee that started did not look necessarily like a boy or girl, mm. couldn't really tell. And so the teammates wanted to know whether or not it was, he was a, he was a boy or he, or she was a girl. Right. And even one of the teammates went so far to follow her to the bathroom to see mm. what bathroom she went into to determine her name was Chris. So it was a gender neutral wow. name. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it was really offensive. And what they tried to do at first in this video was ask, whether or not she wanted to go to happy hour and then probe to see who she was going to bring to try to determine what her gen, I mean, what her uh, sexual orientation was. And she ended up in the end feeling very uncomfortable and saying like, forget that. Like, I don't want to come to your happy hour anyway, but mm-hmm. that example was really clear and really interesting because what I, what I liked about it is that um, although some trainings will show you like proper behavior you should be ex- uh, exhibiting at work, the truth of mm-hmm. the matter is there's a lot of chatter about these things, right? So like when people are at work and they're like, oh, such and such is a lesbian or such and such is gay, when somebody mm-hmm. doesn't know for sure, there's all kind of chatter about what people think. Like who cares who you sleep with right. at night? Like I really yeah. don't. I don't get why there's so uh, much like curiosity or need to know. Is that just to put that person in that box that you want them to be? And I don't know. What are your thoughts? I no. I think and I was, it was funny because I was looking at a list uh, of what microaggressions look like at work. Right. And I'm thinking about <laughs> your presentation and, and, yeah. um, and the trainings that you provide. And so they had a couple examples and one of them was a new coworker, assumes a black employee is not in a senior role like oh, that. Yeah. There's, you know, that happens all the time, right? Like uh, it I, happens I, to me. And I've actually seen it. Oh, I bet it does. I mean, it's happened to yeah. me as well. And I, and I, and I've seen, um, you know, I've actually been to restaurants. Um, I had a, I remember in Chicago, I had a, a, a good friend who ran um, this bakery that was like, 
the spot to go to um, for everybody. And um, and he was working behind the counter. And I remember this lady was super rude. You know, she was super rude, super um, impatient. And, you know, I think she was trying to get to work or whatever. It was huge, incredibly busy. And I guess she just didn't feel like she was getting served fast enough. And he was the one that was trying to help her. And she's going off and going through this whole thing and acting a fool. And she's like, I want to speak to your manager. And he's, he's like, like, I am the manager. I'm the owner. I'm the owner. Oh Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then she, you know, her face turned white, whiter than it was already. And she, you know, she went into a whole kind of like, oh, I'm sorry. And, you know, this, that and the other because she didn't want to get banned. Um, but it was very, very interesting. Oh, so another one, that guy, was huh? another one. Um, yeah. Another one was uh, you know, using the phrase you people. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Goodness. Right. Another one is jokes about a racial group, sexual orientation or gender. Another one was a superior calling an employee honey or sweetheart. Like these are all microaggressions that I'm sure our, our audience have have heard at one point another comments about someone's appearance or physical traits and then mistaking members of the same ethnic group for each other, which you mentioned a few minutes yeah. ago. Right. Yeah. So, you know, um, and, and it's just, you know, those are, those are crazy, but the, but the fact is that most of us can relate to those, almost those exact examples at one point or another, which is crazy to me. And on the gender front, the other thing that I brought out in that training that was very interesting is that, um, it basically gave an example of when women speak in meetings, right? And men yes. interrupt them. Yes. And a man is two times more likely to interrupt a, a, a woman than they are to interrupt another man. And then on the flip side, what was so shocking and sad is that a, a woman is also two times more likely to interrupt another woman than she is wow. to interrupt a man. So... It goes both ways, even within our own gender, yes, right? Where yes. whatever social norms that we have attributed to gender stay with us, even in the workplace, which makes it really, really hard for women to be able to navigate through that situation. So it gave a suggestion. I'm only going to put this out here because I thought it was super helpful. It was one that really stuck mm -hmm. out to me because I've been in many a meetings where I'm the only female. Right. Um, and I have a big voice and I make space for myself. Right. But sure. I would hate to, if I wasn't as bold and living out loud the way that I am, you know, that I, I don't know that there would always be space for me. And I have been interrupted even by my own staff that I manage. They'll interrupt mm -hmm. me. And I'm, and I'm like, um, I'm your boss. You got to calm down. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. right. I'm not but, finished. But, yeah. Like, let me. You did the Kamala me. Harris. I, I, yes. I'm speaking. I'm, Yes, I'm speaking. But that's why I think that was an iconic moment for women, right? To see right. a woman be interrupted so rudely by a man who wasn't even, he wasn't even tripping. That was just the, that was just no, the MO, right? It was automatic. Yep. And she was like, I'm speaking until he realized that he was being rude. But it's, it's also a technique similar to that, right? Where mm -hmm. one, the people in the room for that woman mm -hmm. need to say, John, I, I, I'm interested in your idea. However, 
Karen was just speaking, can we have her finish right. her thought, right? That's right. Or, That's right. or you know, Karen the, herself can say, you know, um, I, I can see that you're very excited, but I'd like to finish my thought mm-hmm. or, you know, interrupt the situation right back or make a joke so that mm-hmm. it goes back. To, but the sad thing is, is that you have to do these things. And I think the important thing about that one that stuck out to me is how many times have I been in a meeting mm-hmm. where I allowed another woman to get interrupted and I did not stand up for her and I did not make space for her. That's the, you know, and I think one of the biggest things to, to your point right there, I think one of the biggest things that I looked at some things about when we were talking about how do you respond, right? And there, there, one of the things was, you know, when you think about it and think about responding, do you think, will I regret if I don't say something right now? Will I regret later if I don't say something right now? And a lot of times, you know, it happens so fast, we don't get a chance to even think that that deeply about it. But I think your point is, is, um, is a very good one and a strong one to that, to that. I just actually saw, um, probably one of the worst examples of microaggression. Mm-hmm. And this was almost to the point where it was overt aggression. Um, the other day there was a video and I don't know if you saw it, but it was online and uh, social media. I think it went viral, but it was this, uh, it was this, this man who, um, I don't know if he was a commissioner or he was some kind of position. And one of the people on, on the phone or on the meeting, it was a Zoom meeting. She was doctor. It was a, it was a, a black woman, black or Latin woman, Afro Latin. And she was a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. And so she asked him to inter- to, to, uh, address her as doctor, whatever her name was. And so he says, okay, okay, miss so and so. No. It's doctor, blah, 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 blah. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, you know, you know, uh, uh, and he just, he would not say doctor. Like he could not fix his, his mouth to say doctor and give her her proper addressing and her proper representation of who she was. And it was so painfully obvious that he did not see her as an equal and to me, that's where a lot of the microaggression stems from is one, people believing propaganda and stereotype, and two, that they don't see the people that they are projecting this on as their equal. And well, so I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's an excellent point. I mean, for me, um, and I, I think you you were thinking of one of these questions, right? As a black woman, I have a, a juris doctor, right? And mm-hmm. um, I earned that. Crap, you know what I'm saying? No I worked my butt off and almost died doing it, right? And so, yep. you know, if I had got a doctorate, just a different doc, it's the same thing. I'm really a doctor, right? If I wanted mm-hmm. to call myself Dr. Parker, I could. Right. I don't, sure. you don't call the jurist doctor that way. But right. the thing is, is that you earn that degree and you earn that title, whether or not you're a medical doctor or a doctor it or a, a doctor of something else you go i went to school for 11 years in college yeah and man. three and a half of those years were to get my doctorate it was extra study i deserved the title and i worked for it and as every other doctor deserves it and so mm-hmm. what i find odd you know sometimes it gives me more respect and i've said that in a room i think 
for people that are not people of color, it gives me more respect sometimes because they realize there is something I possess that they don't have, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in particular mm-hmm. with law, it it works in that way because law is such an um, uh, unknown type of area where people really don't know how to navigate through it without a specialist, right, of some kind. Right. I of think course. that they give you some reverence and some respect even when it's 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 white men that feel uncomfortable at the fact that you're more educated than them but you can feel that but i also think that what i found is a follow-up question to me sometimes is oh you're a jd well what school did you go to right because it is a follow-up some way to find some way to minimize yeah to minimize what it what it was yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, ridiculous. well, you know, she didn't go to Harvard, so it's all good, you know? Right, and, and I right. think that that is, uh, is so interesting. I think it happens more often than not. And what I say is if you've worked for it, you, 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 you claim it just like when somebody says your name incorrectly, That's you right. make, you correct them until they get it right. Because yes. to me, um, the only way we're going to get to a point of respect right, for one another is when we don't allow this poor behavior to go on unaddressed, right? You have to That's be right. like, okay, in a, in a nice way. I mean, don't take it up as your cause to like try to take the person down that's being rude. But I think the more they feel stupid about their behavior, the more that they're going to think again before they try that same mess, you know, t- again. So uh, I think that's excellent. What about you? Have you felt any of that kind of stuff at at, at work? Um, I felt it in a couple different ways. One, as a black man, yes. Um, but two, I remember being younger. Um, so this is this is a little different kind of twist on it. But I remember being younger in a in a you know position that was uh, equal to a lot of. Uh, so so let's just say this: a lot of people that were in that same um, level of position were 10, 20 years older than me. Right. Um, and I know you've experienced this, um, before too. So, you know, people will be, you know, I was at a certain level, uh, I think it was, um, chief of operations or something like that. And so I would be at meetings and at, at, you know, events or at, at conferences or at things, um, with other folks that are, you know, that same kind of that same position executives. And so, but I was black one and two, I was younger, you know, quite a bit younger than a lot of them. And so I felt a lot of the hate. We'll just call it because, you know, this is funny talking about microaggressions. Really, we just call it hate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're a hater. You're a hater. That's what we call it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, (laughs) you know, I felt the microaggressions for the sake of this conversation um, in in those contexts quite a bit um, throughout the years. And it's funny because as I've gotten older and now and a little bit grayer and, you know, um, I'm dealing with some of those same kind of people in some of those same circles. And now as a CEO, I don't get any of that, that kind of same hate. And I think it's because maybe I'm older because, you know, they've seen the work that I put in to get to where I am um, is, is the difference. But it's very funny because I, I definitely, definitely, definitely. And I try to be very conscious about it uh, myself 
um, to make sure that I don't do the same thing. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, I try and raise the younger folks up, you know, in, in the games as quickly as I can to get them in the mix. But I think, I think you're making another point that we didn't even hit on is ageism. Right. And yeah. just kind of like how, you know, younger people who, you know, are at the top of their game may be also experiencing microaggression in, in, in interesting ways, right. Not outside of race and outside of, um, even, um, gender or any of those things. Like now they're, they're experiencing it because, you know, I, I have experienced people who, I manage that are much older than me mm-hmm. and them not trusting or respecting the fact that my knowledge is maybe yeah. superior or even, even worth listening to because they're like, girl, when, when you were, <laughs> exactly. you know what I mean? There you go. <laughs> like I was yeah. already an yeah. adult, like get so, go somewhere with that. Right. Yeah. 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 While you were still, I was doing this when you were in diapers. Yeah, like those kind yeah. of things, right? And and also they're very set in their ways. So it's like if you bring an idea that's young and innovative, and I know this happens to me, I'm getting old, right? Because my son will bring a new idea. I'm like, well, what is that? You know, <laughs> like, you know sure. but, I, I, but, but I think it is something that I'm sure younger millennials and other people that are pretty powerful, right? There's a lot of mm-hmm. millennials that are millionaires, right? And That's right. So I think all of those things are really, really interesting and important. I guess I never even thought of the age one until you just brought that up. Well, you know, it's interesting, though, because the examples that we're using, obviously, are the ones where the younger folks are getting, you know, but I think that it works both ways. I think that there are, you know, there are older folks who are in, say, technology or in certain, you know, sales or in certain areas where they have. Um, not necessarily, I mean, they, they, their experience, uh, precedes them, but they are still in tune with what's going on now. They keep themselves educated. They keep up with the, with the newest and, you know, and, and freshest ideas and equipment and all that kind of stuff. And so I've seen a lot of them be dismissed because of their age by younger folks, you know, so it's, you know, microaggression, yeah, I don't think, street. I don't, yeah, I don't think that microaggression is one of those things that, um, you know, that only goes one way or it only uh, impacts, you know, one type of people. I think that, you know, it really as a, as a topic is very interesting and it's funny listening to us talk because it has, it's expanded in this conversation <laughs> from, from, you know, where we started and, and, you know, talking about it being, you know, very much about race and very much about gender and that, but it's, you know, it's expanded. We're talking about age, we're talking about, you know, um, you know, other things. And so it's really interesting, um, how that, how that works. Have you, um, when you did your when you did your your training, did you give any like uh, it wasn't it wasn't a microaggression training though, right? It was it was it was it actually oh, was, was called it? Okay. microaggression: how to deal with it in a professional way, right? How to there deal with go. microaggression and bias in a professional way. So I hit on certain items that were uh, identified as microaggression, and then I um, followed it up with a scenario. So there was like Mm -hmm. videos and then there was a scenario and then it told you the tools of how to do it differently every time. 
because there were there are a lot of unconscious bias. There's affirmation bias and affinity bias. There's like all this different kind of bias that shows wow. up specifically in different ways. So what I did is made sure that each one of the biases, the way it shows up, that could be addressed in a different way instead of addressing it the way you might naturally do it. So that's how gotcha. I set it up. I, I thought it would be good that way. Um, but I'm going to tell you that a lot of people did not feel comfortable delivering mm. the information to the people at work. I think out of fear that it was going to invoke emotions that they weren't going to be able to address. Uh-huh. So, um, but, but I think the, the, the thing I learned from that situation is that avoidance of the topic doesn't make it go it's away. Even worse. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's gonna, and the microaggressions are happening whether or not you want to, to address it or not. Right. And I think to right. ignore it is another microaggression, right. To yeah. ignore somebody's experience. Because there's one in the end that I put in and I put it in, uh, you know, because I think it's important and I want to bring it up here. Um, one of them had to do with police brutality and mm. the effect on African-Americans that every time a news story on police brutality shows up and they go to work and the people at work might have water cooler talk or they're just yep. chopping it up about news stories, but they fail to address the news story that was the police brutality story out of fear to not offend or say anything to the black person about what's going on. That's probably at top of mind for them. So sure. it did talk about like how that was incredibly insensitive and a microaggression, right. To just right. omit a top news story as though it never happened to or the ignore. person of color mm -hmm. who's traumatized by that news yep. story. Right. Yeah. And how, you may call that person your friend and your colleague and might go out and get a beer with that person, but you can't even address the pain that they might be going through from what's happening in the world. Yeah, no. And it, it yeah, that's um, and that happens in neighborhoods that happens at work that happens, you know, I mean, we have neighbors that probably live right next door to us that are, you know, um, you know, either feeling or doing the same thing. I found something very interesting, though. Um, when you talk about the, you know, I looked back and, and there's a psychiatrist uh, named Chester M. Pierce, um, who is is given the credit for the origin of microaggression and, and first terming microaggression. And it was first recorded in 1970. So, what? you know, so do you think that that. You know, um, and he, so he's the first person to put micro and aggression together. Uh, obviously, those words lived um, separately. But what was happening before 1970 that they didn't that they didn't recognize microaggression as a as an actual thing? Uh, right? I know. How was the origin? Civil rights. The civil okay. rights movement. It was just all aggression. There was nothing micro about it. Huh? Well, I think what happened after the civil rights movement and some of the affirmative action and civil rights act is that you probably had more integration of black people into the workplace and on a larger scale. So mm -hmm. thereby white people had to learn how to and interact in with black people and in schools. Yep. Right. And so yep. therefore, I mean, this is what, I mean, I'm just hypothesizing people, but, right, but, you right. know, um, it makes sense. but I think that it would be, you know, a direct result of probably the time 
in which they found themselves, right? Integrating and being next to black people and not really knowing what to say. Like, why is your hair like that? I mean, all those microaggressions oh, probably, yeah. can I touch your hair? Mm-hmm. Um, don't, you know, maybe you don't want to sit here in class. You know, all the weird things that you know that they say even now, you know, all of these years later, 40, 50 years later uh, to us. Um, so that is super interesting. 1970, huh? 1970. I mean, and it's a trip because I I recently watched all 10 episodes of Them. Have you seen Them yet? No, you know, I, I was thinking about watching it, but I get overwhelmed yeah. because I have so much to watch. Okay, yeah, I'm going to put no, it on my them, list. Them, so, so it's a recommendation from me. Uh, them, I think it's on Prime Video. Um, but it is, you know, it has a, a great deal of microaggressions. Uh, examples in there and then obviously some overt uh, aggression. But um, I just I, I would be interesting. Maybe we'll do an episode uh, on them after you after you finish watching it, because it's a, uh, is it a it's, it's heavy. Yeah, it's a series and it's like 10 episodes. So I'll wait till okay. you get through it and we'll, we'll bring down. it back up. Yeah. So I was also looking at um, so doctor, there's a doctor in the doll who um, who created this toolkit called the guide to responding to microaggressions. And um and like we were talking a little earlier is she was talking about or, or Dr. Nadal was talking about a list of five questions to ask yourself when weighing the consequences of responding to a microaggression. I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. Question one was, if I respond, could my physical safety be in danger? <laughs> Right. <laughs> so to our <laughs> to our first, you know, to our first couple yeah, comments about it. Slap down. Yeah. yeah. So uh, number two was if I respond, will the person become defensive and will this lead to an argument? So some people don't no. address microaggressions just because they don't they they don't want no smoke. They don't want no problems. They Listen, I want and, all and, the smoke. But if you think about it, though, in, in our history. I know you want all the smoke. But I do. <laughs> if you think about it in the in in our history, though, you know, if you were the amount of microaggression that 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 are um, that people have, you know, our people and and I would just say people from these underrepresented or um, marginalized groups have experienced throughout their careers is probably astronomical, because you know if you have to you know, the the fact that your children are going to have a place to live, that your children are going to be able to eat or have, you know, a roof of their head, have food on the table. And all it takes is for you just to take that and swallow that microaggression. You know, for many, many, many generations, we've we've done that shit. Microaggression, we talk about it in 1970. Just think about the amount of microaggression that they they had to deal with in slavery. Think about the microaggression they had to deal with, you know, obviously all the way through. So the next one was, if I respond, how will this affect my relationship with this person? For example, a coworker, family member, or et cetera. I, that's but here's interesting. The, here's the thing. No, I don't like yeah. that at all. Yeah, I, mean, I got to reject with, that. Because I, know you, I know you got one for that. Because first of all, if you have a relationship with that person, then you need to check that whole situation because the thing is, is that you've got to live your authentic self, right? And to be in relation with another person, 
without being able to do that, it, it I mean, I think it's more harmful to you, right? Than you yep. know, keeping that to inside and yep. yeah. But but I do recognize that you know there are families that the dynamics in there um, potentially are that you may love your grandpa, but he could still be racist, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And so, or you may. I'll use it in political senses, right? You may, I have family members that do not have the same political views as I do. That's right. Love them to death, right? But I would like to choke them when they they open their mouths about certain things. And I'm like, come on Mm. now. But, you know, so I can see why in some cases you have to try to pick what you think is important. But I think in order for you to protect your own heart and your own sanity, that a healthy discourse about Hey, like you can still have your beliefs and I can have mine or whatnot, Mm -hmm. but what we're not going to do is be in a space where we're going to be disrespectful to each other. And that boundary you're crossing right now with that comment you just made. So I would just appreciate that. We probably don't discuss that or, or not. I think that that's a better way to go because then at least you're setting your own boundaries and you're having you're preserving your own self-respect and your own soul, right? I think it's where you avoid everything. And avoidance, you guys, honestly, like what does it really solve? Because a lot of times, like we said about microaggressions or unconscious bias, if it's unconscious, then the Mm -hmm. only way you're going to make it conscious is to address it. Right. But I think it goes back to, I think these are real, you know, depending, I think they're circumstantial, right? They're, They're depending on the circumstance. To some degree, um, because and I think people. going back to the first the one, you know, yeah, if, if if I respond, could my physical safety be in danger? Um, you know, the the other one. But but I think to your point, um, there's two more. And one of them is if I don't respond, will I regret not saying something? And I think that that's a heavy one. And I think that that's what you're you know, you're really talking about is, a, you know, it has to be addressed because not only will it ha- most likely happen again if you allow it to slide, but even worse for me is, you know, I- how am I going to be able to look at myself in the mirror if I let that slide? Right. How am I going to how am I going to not, um, you know, how am I going to stand, you know, 10 toes down and be solid if I let stuff like that slide? And so I think addressing it. And then the last one was. Uh, if I don't respond, does that convey that I accept the behavior or the statement? And I think that that also folds into what you were saying about, you know, where do you, where, how do you, how do you benefit by not saying anything? You know, how do you benefit by not well, addressing it? Yeah, because in, in even in law, right, there is something, there's something that they look at in, in evidence is, is like an omission. If a normal, mm-hmm. reasonable person would have said something and you just, failed to say something right that that can also make you look just as guilty right so in the in the same vein you know if if you just don't say anything like to me i mean i and i understand that everybody is made with the type of strength that they want to address these things right like not everybody is like let me just you know correct everybody you know what i mean some people are not worth your time or energy so i i I get that and also, I think um, you don't need to address everything. Like some people like me, I, I'm more, I'm comfortable with confrontation. I don't have any problem with it, not in an aggressive way, but 
I don't mind taking something head on. It doesn't bother me. I think my parents mm-hmm. made me that way, right? Yeah. But but I do know a lot of people who do not like it. Mm-hmm. Would rather avoid confrontation at all costs and would rather just ignore that person or delete that person or whatever right. the new way to do it is. But, you know, so I understand that that's not the case. But what I would like people to think about is if you don't say something, right, and you're willing to do it, then how many other people who are not strong enough to say something, a kid who's impressionable, who Mm -hmm. will end up being hurt, like, forever by what could be said to them? Like, that to me is where I feel like you've got to say You've got to do or say something because that person's ignorance is not going to stop at just the you. It's going yeah. to go and hurt someone who doesn't have the words, the the mind, or the, you know, it could do that. And so, by just bringing it to that person's attention, like, "Hey, dude, nah, you know, that's not, yeah, yeah, you know, we shouldn't be doing that." You know, um, yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, you know, bringing it to awareness, it, 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 along with many other things that we've talked about in other, um, other episodes, it's about bringing this awareness because, you know, when you think about it and, 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 you know, per the definitions that we, um, that we've read off earlier, you know, it being tiny or it being, you know, and even just the name micro, you know, makes you, makes, makes some feel like, you know, like you said, is it even worth addressing or is it so small that I'm tripping, you know, this, that, and the other, but, um, but really it, it can have some pretty detrimental impact on some people. And, and, and I'm glad you brought up the thing about the kids because I did read some stuff about microaggression in the classroom. Right. And so it could be, you know, it could be the teacher if, if, you know, and I swear if this was my kid, I'd be ready to, lose my mind, but it could be the teacher, you know, your, your kid raises or a kid raises their hand to answer a question and the teacher rolls her eyes. Right. Yeah. Or, or, you know, or or not call or never call on them. Right. Exactly. The the kid isn't even there, which I've seen that happen. Yes, yes, yes. And we're talking about like, you know, or things like, you know, they get the answer right and you're surprised. You know, and and just Tim, things like oh my you goodness. know, yeah, oh my god, you know, and not just you because something, yeah, not just because Tim has shown that, but just just because of you know blatant uh, stereotypical things, you know. So I I think that um you know I think that that's one of the benefits of this podcast and and you know these type of subjects that we're we're talking about is that you know I think that a lot of times people need to be aware. Um, of what they've done or what they're doing and be, you know, and, and make some change towards that. Um, before we get done, I'll just tell you a little story. I have, um, my aunt was here this weekend and, um, and we had a, we had a really nice, um, a really great weekend. It's my mom's sister. And so, um, one of the things that, you know, that side of the family has really been, and not the whole family, but her in particular, uh, has been doing a lot of study and a lot of reading and trying to trying to understand more about what's going on in this country, right? What's going on um, racially? What's going on, you know, with this whole kind of awakening that's happened? And you know, and so we had a, you know, a, on the way to the airport this morning, we had a conversation about, you know, what, you know, what people need to do 
and how do you become more aware? And, and one of the things, and I'll just be brief, one of the things that I just told her was that, you know, people just need to be decent. You know, just be decent people. Be, treat other people like humans, you know, and I think that that to me would solve a lot of problems. It wouldn't solve, obviously, all of them or even, you know, s- scratched kind of the, the big picture surface. But it would definitely um, prevent people from treating other people um, in ways that they obviously would not be treated. So I think it a lot of times just goes back to the golden rule, you know, treat people how you want to be treated and just be kind and and be decent people. And then we can kind of start to grow into a, into a space where, you know, there's less of what we've been experiencing and talking about all this time. I mean, I agree with you, but the problem is, is that decency isn't always taught right to people. It, that's absolutely right. Um, you don't right. always have the greatest examples. Um, you don't always grow up in the greatest community. Um, you're shaped by your experiences. Um, potentially, you, you know, somebody could have gotten into a fight with somebody of color when they were young and then that stuck with them. And then they decided that that group of people, you know. So what I'm hearing you say is that decency is not taught um, to many people. And so therefore, that's why we're dealing with with uh, dealing with what we're dealing with um, these days and, and historically. And um, and hopefully, you know, people that are hearing this and people that um, out there, just generally speaking, are doing a much better job with the awareness that we're all facing, um, are definitely working decency into their rearing and their own self-discovery and their own teaching. So thank you again for joining the Cogent Code podcast. See and I appreciate you. Peace.